Price for Monday, July 31st, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you need a place to stay or if you're out by the airport, we suggest the Weston Wall Center YVR. Matt Harris alongside Blake Price, greatest ass, hitting switches, conducting things. And this show is a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond. Get you into the 23 Cash Guy from $76 weekly. The 23 Rogue from $99 weekly. The 23 Murano. Stunning vehicle. At $135 weekly because, as they say, Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. Was it all good for the Price family this past week on vacation? Please tell me you had a fantastic week with no issues, be it children, mechanical, anything like that. Um, on your week off, like uh, hosting like a thousand people at my cabin, and um, <laughs> it was great until the uh, final moments when yeah, exactly when boats are going to boat, and yeah. Uh, yeah, now I I hate boats so much. Mm-hmm. I just hate them so much. I uh, was out on the water on a boat myself on Saturday mm-hmm. with our friends Rob and Natalie from Go Goat, and shout out Sean Millington. We encountered Sean on his boat, former Lion. And was talking with some friends there because we met some friends who had a boat that was recently repaired. There is no truer acronym, huh, than break out another thousand? Well, we <laughs> literally, as we dropped off the boat for repair, uh, um, there was a, a, a marina there with, a, with two signs. Mm. Best day in your life. Day you buy your boat. The best day in your life. The day you sell your boat, we help you with all the best days in your life. <laughs> so they, and uh, never truer words spoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spectacular weekend, though, here in the city. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we went further up the Indian Arm than I've ever been, all the way to Granite Falls. So Beautiful it spot. was, yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing spot out there on the water. Welcome back, sir. Good to have you back. Bodog poll question for today. After a desultory performance at the World Cup. Boy, we don't do World Cups very well now, do we? No. No, it was not great. Not entertaining. Um, no. Not executed. Um, yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. Really not good. I mean, the only good news is I guess the game happened at 3 in the morning Pacific time, 6 a.m. Eastern. So I'm not going to guess it was the most robust audience for a Canadian FIFA match. Anyways... That's that for the incredible Christine Sinclair, Burnaby's Christine Sinclair at World Cups. We're asking you, has Christine Sinclair had the best career of any athlete in a Canadian jersey? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Believe it or not, the Americans actually need to win their game to advance and I just can't see them bowing out in the group stage. USA is minus 345 versus Portugal on your Bodog line of the day. Here is the great Christine Sinclair, FIFA's all-time leading goal scorer. Asked about the lack of preparation in advance of this World Cup. And, of course, that was a function of budgetary concerns from the Canadian Soccer Association. Sinclair, quote, look, we've been battling our federation for support. But I can't put this on the CSA. It's after a 4 nothing defeat to the host Australians. There are 23 players out there and staff, and we didn't get it done tonight. I think more of it is like a wake-up call for our federation and a lack of a professional league, the lack of support for our youth national teams. I think you're just going to continue to see teams reach our level and surpass us, whatever you want to call it, if things don't change. We had wondered about the distraction and the battle with the Federation going into this tournament, much like we wondered that about the men in December in Qatar. I think it would be naive to say that that ongoing battle, the politics of all of this, um, had no effect on the proceedings. But I also think Christine deserves credit for taking the responsibility there and saying, no, th- this is on. I mean, you lose 4 0. 
it's hard to find boogeymen, right? You lose four nil. It's about the people, yeah, who are on the pitch. So Canada is eliminated now, and really just a dreadful World Cup. I mean, a, a disappointing draw to the Nigerians, fell behind against Ireland, and had to battle back for a win. I think it was clear that no Steph Labe here was a difference because she was so good at the Olympics where Canada yeah. won a gold medal. And look, Christina er, is 40 years old now. She's, I mean, she missed a penalty. She shouldn't have taken that penalty. And let's be clear, too, by the way, could they have won that? Would they have advanced? Yeah, they would have. But they would have been shelled in their next game or two. Like They weren't winning this World Cup. They weren't. Mm-hmm. That form, even if that PK against Nigeria goes in and they win that match and they advance, they're getting eliminated either in their next game or the game after that. They are. They're, mm-hmm. they're not winning this World Cup with that squad. Sinclair not only missed a penalty, but she had a sitter there in the, I think it was the 12th minute against Nigeria. Just I outside mean, the box. Multiple yeah. touches, mm. clear shooting lane, missed the target. Of course, Jesse Fleming missed the opener here. There were different players playing through knocks. But their record going into this World Cup, Blake, they had one win and one draw in five tune-ups. Yeah. Well, they weren't ready. They scored three goals and gave up seven. So the downside here is is that, you know, before this moment, before this down moment on the pitch, the women were reigning Canadian Olympic champs. I guess they still are. Mm-hmm. And uh, the men are at the pinnacle of their success. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue, uh, yes, a Canadian team has won a gold cup, I guess, but really it's the World Cup that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and this is the best ever men's team that has ever been assembled. So you could argue that in terms of performance, up until this point, Canada was peaking, both on the Canadian and uh, men's and women's side, and yet mm-hmm. it also feels like they are in the most disarray. Yeah. Like, why isn't this success leading to a fountain of opportunity? And it's just not. And that would be the big concern if you're a soccer supporter, if you're a voyager, if you care about Canada and the beautiful game. There has been a tremendous amount of momentum here over the last five to ten years, and it may all be for naught if a, you don't have, and we've talked about this, your next fleet of talent coming around. B, if anything were to linger on the political side of things. Because Blake and I are old enough to remember a time when dual nationals chose not to play for Canada mm-hmm. because of everything that was going on. Uh, not to mention the fact no confidence that Canada could field competitive sides. And I'm afraid that um, this one for a program that was amongst the world's best and clearly was miles ahead of the men at one stage of the game. This is another very disappointing result for Canada out of World Cup. In fact, that's that's three World Cups in a row for the ladies that I think you can say is quite disappointing because I think we all expected better lost to England here at home yep. eight years ago and, of course, four years ago as well. I voted yes in terms of Christine being the best athlete ever in a Canadian jersey. Now, Penny Alexiak and her seven Olympic medals, Andre de Grasse and his six Olympic medals, certainly have a case here. I know many are putting forward Sidney Crosby with all his success for Canada with the World Juniors and Olympics. Ryan Smith, Captain Canada at one point, won a lot of gold medals Scott Niedermeyer well. with all the uh, golds as well. Right. But uh, this is the all-time leading goal scorer in the world's most game. popular sport, yeah. who is an Olympic champion and gold medalist, would have liked more trophies, particularly FIFA trophies, but I voted yes. I, I think the sport is what tips the scales. Because, I mean, gosh, we could find probably athletes in, in lesser sports, and I say lesser in quotes, just lesser known sports that are, are have been equally as dominant. But we're talking about the global game of football here. Right. Um, and to be on top of that mountain, um, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. It's uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one to answer. Yeah. yeah. No wrong answers. No. Really. You can no. argue it either way. 
Friday's Bodog poll question. Will the Canucks contend again under current ownership? We sort of themed last week on contention mm-hmm. for the Vancouver Canucks. So under current ownership, will they contend again? Yes or no? 1,200 plus votes. What do the people say? Um, oh, gosh. We're right at that fork in the road right now for the Canucks development where I think there's some sides that are just so sick of the negativity that they're just choosing positivity because they're they're done mm-hmm. being negative. But some of them are just being like, hey, all we've seen is bad. Why do we have any reason to success, uh, suggest good? So the evidence crowd. You yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. evidence crowd versus the dreamers here. That's where we're at. But I think even some evidence people are being dragged to the dreamer side because they're just so sick of the evidence, you know. Um, but I'll still say no. They, they went negative. They're, they're not going to. Correct. Yeah. 60. 65. Wow. That's that's Col- bigger than I thought. Well, two out of three. Yeah. Colton, I have zero faith. By looking at their track record, Gillis was able to tell them what's what and build one of the best teams that Vancouver has ever seen. Both Benning and Rutherford Alvin are space cadets in the Aquilini Space Camp. Too busy staring at stars on other teams. Vancouver equals Pluto. <laughs> Derek, they fired Trevor Linden because he told them that to do it right, it would take five years to rebuild the team into a contender. Here we are, five years later. Is no closer to winning the Stanley Cup than when he left. And then Jeff, not our Jeff, says they will not contend unless they win the lottery with more than two to three unexpected players having career seasons. There is a clear path to build a team, and we would rather gamble that the rules do not apply to us. Gate revenue is clearly more important than winning. Uh, Jeff Patterson is doing a series over on the Hockey News for Canucks and different milestones that are attainable and I've got a thing or two to say about individual statistics and milestones right now with regards to the Vancouver Canucks in today's in today's welcome mat but you know Blake you go away for a week and really nothing changes with the good ship Canuck and even very little activity across the National Hockey League I mean Vladimir Tarasenko signed a contract. A few other people signed last week. Got some arbitration cases that are going on. But I think John Shannon told us several weeks ago, people are just tired. They took the rest of July off like after everything that was compressed in three years in the pandemic. We'll see what August brings here. That's we're on the final day of July and making the turn for September and Labor Day. Let's talk some British Columbia Lions. You want a winner? Wow. Look at this outfit, 6-1, and one, a second shutout victory this year against the dreadful Edmonton Elks at Young Judd underscore one. I've known Young Judd since he was a, a teeny one. He's all grown up now. We see him at Lions games. Super Young Judd. You knew when he was Super Young Judd. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a precocious kid he was, too. He walked right up to you and gave you his opinion on all three clubs right between the eyes. Don't ever change, Young Judd. The Lions already have two shutouts in eight weeks. Canucks had only one all of last season. (laughs) This is the Canadian Football League, for heaven's sakes. You don't get shutouts. You get points for missing exactly what you're intending. Farhan Lalji, who will join us today. First time in CFL history. A team has shut out the same team twice in one season. And here's the other thing. Elks didn't even make the red zone in either game. Wow. What's the record for shutouts in a season? Dude? I don't know. We're going to ask Farhan. Yeah. Held them to 12 first downs and 42 plays total. Like, it is not entirely uncommon to see 70, 80 plays for one team in a CFL game. And as Jeff notes, Patterson, 6-1, and one, Lions are almost guaranteed a home playoff date as we sit here, they go six and five the rest of the way. Saskatchewan needs to go ten and one. Calgary would have to go eleven and one. We don't know if it'll be the West Final or the West Semi, but you can almost start planning for a BC Lions home playoff game for a second consecutive year here. Well, there's three and one on the road already. Mm-hmm. I mean, yet one or two more road wins. Your road quota is already already filled, really. And it, do, do you load manage the rest of the way? I, I, I think that's what you're going to be looking at. I mean, have already done that at running back. Sat they, down shivers to come back with 
Smoke Mizell this week. You do want to win You've the division. You've been cautious with your receivers and their return to play protocols. But you do want to win the division. And Winnipeg's oh, right there. Do. Winnipeg's right there. So of course you, you do. Well, this is why this one is a huge one yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. You've already got a win in Winnipeg. But why is it thus? Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatchewan have played a combined 22 games and won five. Saskatchewan has three wins, two against Edmonton, one against Calgary. Calgary has two wins. One against Saskatchewan. Winless at home, the Stamps. As Terry Jones of the Edmonton Sun, or ex of the Edmonton Sun, points out, and he's been covering this league for more than a half decade, it has never been like this before. Where you have three teams in the West that are as poor as the Alberta clubs in Saskatchewan are right now. There's no home wins in Alberta yet. The Stamps <laughs> and the Elks have not won. And that's a, a record 21 consecutive losses for the Elks at home. Let me ask you this existential question. We'll ask this of Farhan, mm-hmm. too. You know, the, the Argos are 6-0 and on the other side. There are no w- teams with winning records outside of BC, Winnipeg, and, and Toronto who are all clobbering everybody. Is this a good year for the CFL, or is this a concerning year for the CFL? Uh, As every league in the planet well, looks for parity, so CFL does not have it. You were so so I'll, I'll, I'll say this. As of a few weeks ago, I was mightily concerned about Edmonton and Ottawa, who had a dreadful home streak. Now, Ottawa's found that new quarterback, didn't win this weekend, but he's revived them a little bit. They could be winning a club. little bit more yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, they won some games with comebacks, or crumbbacks, as they're calling them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edmonton, you've got to be very worried. Calgary's been so spoiled for so long, but it's a horseshit stadium, pun mm-hmm. intended, and the and you better win in that town. Yeah. Like, you know, Calgary's not coming out for losing football after 20 years of plus 30 years of pretty much great football. And did I miss that? Like, there's the Saskatchewan, no, you know, is going to be there, but there's no stadium plans, right? Like, the arena plan does not include they a went stadium. Forward right? with an arena, no stadium. I yeah. believe the plan. The last, when I was there for the Great Cup a few years ago, Mayor Ninchi and said at the time that the idea would be to continuously upgrade. The same, of course, the University of Calgary is involved there as well. So I would say, to answer your question, I think it would be bad more than good because Winnipeg's a pretty established market, good club. Toronto and BC in the big cities, you needed to be better. You are better on the field. We'll see if it makes a difference for the Argos at the gate. It clearly is here, Mm -hmm. but that may very well be offset by Alberta the two Alberta teams and Hamilton's a wreck too again. Yeah. Which is disappointing because got so much um, yeah, Hamilton's three time and f- respect for Orlando Steinauer. I mean, you thought they were building sort of a Calgary East like program there where they were competitive. Haven't won the great cup yet, but would be competitive. Uh, nevertheless, we're more than a third of the way through the CFL schedule lines in Winnipeg on Thursday and then back home to face Calgary. On the 12th, that's another Saturday 4 p.m. kickoff. How about Whitecaps FC? Unbelievable. I mean, a desultory first, what, 75, 80 minutes? They had a few five-minute spells of like, oh, they're mm. picking. Oh, and, like, and they were they were starting to talk to each other and use bad little body language yeah. and, and uh, didn't like anywhere that it was going. I'm listening to the game on AM 730. I'm hearing Colin Miller talk about his ace yesterday, and congrats, Spikey, on the ace. And I text him and go, I want to hear more about the ace in the postgame rather than this match. Mm. No sooner do I type this, Vancouver gets an equalizer, Galaxy own goal. And then what a beautiful construction on the winner. Winner And out of time with Brian White finishing. And lo and behold, the Caps win. They're through the group stage of League's Cup here, eliminating LA Galaxy. And then I flipped on uh, Apple TV to watch uh, Tigris and San Jose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Vanny said in the post-match, I want Tigris and I want them here at BC Place. It would be amazing to have a huge Mexican side come on up and play at our stadium. Well, Friday, everybody, it's happening. Tigris at Whitecaps FC, Vancouver Whitecaps season ticket holders have until tomorrow, Tuesday, August 1st at 10.30 a.m. to opt into their seats. Single game tickets are on sale 
now. Tigris, by the way, folks, is the LAFC of League MX. Are they that good? Yeah. Or? They've got uh, five championships in the last 10 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, eight championships in League MX overall. Club they- Leon is the Champions League champions, mm-hmm. um, but Tigris is the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. They're the defending champs of League MX as well. So, uh, Do they have like a, a bunch of the Mex- Mexican national team players? Um, I, I haven't poured through the roster yet because I'm I am doing the game. Me and Dolly are back on the call for for Friday. Cool. Um, do they um like is this one of the clubs that would have legions of fans far and wide, like of the Mexican population? Here well, they've they visited here already. The Tigers has already played here, I believe. Oh, right, years um, ago. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And the first was, time the Caps won a Canadian championship as yeah. an MLS side, and they've, uh, if memory serves, it was pretty well attended. I think the Mexican mm-hmm. fans did come out in numbers. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a, a chance to to put some seats, some bums in the seats, and mm-hmm. and you know what? It's funny. This has been the first iteration, and I've looked around the league and how teams have treated it and a lot of backup keepers playing matches during the group stage I think it's go time now. Now that we're in the knockout stage, I don't think there's any, I think, it, it, you know they're getting people. So this is one match single elimination yeah, now. this is it. Like Isaac Bomer got now the start. still 32 teams left here. Yes. So yeah. I'm not sure this is a tournament the Caps can win, but let's have some fun and if you can get an upset on Friday. Yeah, just and you know, for no other reason than this, even selfishly for the MLS season, like if they had lost last night, they wouldn't have played again until August the twentieth. I was sitting there wondering how Vanny was going to do that. Like, does he send him home for nine, ten days? Yeah, maybe. A uh, couple of guys on the the guys doing the Tigris San Jose game were saying, you know, one of the reasons why the guys are trying so hard at the end of the match is they don't want to just train for the next two and a half weeks. And that's they, my point. And, and for you to be sharp when the MLS season kicks back in, be playing games. So win for the action more than anything else. And you also get some extra cash the more you go. Yeah. Uh, C's off on the road this week after splitting with Everett, but their parent club, the Toronto Blue Jays, make a trade involving two former Vancouver Canadians who are pretty good here. Prospect pitchers Sam Roberts and Adam Kloffenstein are off to the St. Louis Cardinals for reliever Jordan Hicks. Hicks turned into the Cardinals' closer this year through injury and attrition. He's one of these three-digit radar gun guys. In fact, no Toronto Blue Jay in the entire pitch track era, so that's 15-plus years since 2008, has ever thrown a 102-mile-per-hour pitch. Hicks has thrown 370 of those in his career. What? He's hit 104. And, of course, he is acquired. And that's a pretty high price because Kloffenstein was having a very good bounce-back season. Roberta is a pretty handy pitcher as well. Now, both of them would have had to have been accounted for on the 40-man roster next spring, so I'm not sure the Blue Jays would have had room for both of them. Nevertheless, it's a reasonably high price because their closer, Jordan Romano, is out with a back injury here. Major League Baseball trade deadline tomorrow. Shai Davidi of Sportsnet said he wouldn't be surprised if the Jays do something more substantial because much as you wanted another reliever after Romano gets hurt, problem with the team remains they could use another bat. And why is that? Have you seen what George Springer has done here of late? Lowest batting average for a Blue Jays player in any 10-game span of any season in their history. Born in 1977. Wow. Ed Sprague went hitless over a 10-game span in 1994. I remember it. I remember it. The next worst is George Springer over the last 10. He's won for his last 30. 39 at bats. Oh my gosh. Hitting 026. Mendoza's looking at him going, dude. And they have come to on. keep running him out there because <laughs> they don't have anything better. How bad, and you obviously will impact OBP, but he is good at getting on base otherwise, besides hitting. Yeah. I'd like to. It's n- not all batting average. Yeah. I understand that. It's weird. OBP world. D- Dalton Varsho is yelling at him to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly, the Jays, in spite of that, are still 6-4 and four in their last no, 10. I, I, exactly. And in 
And they're still, they're still it, well, Matt, they're in division. They're no, five and a half back. I mean, stranger things have happened with two months left to go in the schedule. And and, and, and this is with Baltimore. Do you see the Baltimore Yankees game last night? It was 6 nothing Orioles before the Yankees recorded an out. God. So it is really tough sledding in that division. We will cover the Seattle Mariners later in the show. In hashtags, let's get to today's menu brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. You know, we were thinking, we want to talk Lions after this extraordinary performance again on defense. We want to talk some Canucks. And uh, maybe we want to dip a toe and talk some NFL as well with camps underway. Who do we go to? Farhan Lalji. Of course. He's on a tour of NFL training camps, as he often is for TSN in the summer. Blake, he's at Bears practice today, buddy. Oh, he is watching. This is a selfish motivation. Abbotsford's Chase Claypool, who will be the comeback player of the year in the National Football League, catching passes from Justin Fields, who will be the breakout player in the National Football League in suburban Illinois. Mm -hmm. Summertime optimism, eh? and we'll talk to him about the Lions and Canucks. Hey. That's all we have as Bears fans is summertime optimism. And in fact, I haven't even had summertime optimism over the last few years. I knew they would be wretched. This year, there's a glimmer of hope. That number 12, he's no longer in the division. It's possible the Bears could have the best quarterback in the division. Wow, low bar. Golf cousins. So anyways, Farhan. you You don't even know who that quarterback would be. Well, I sure hope it's not Jordan Love in Green Bay. They've already had enough good quarterbacking there. Too spoiled. They don't deserve any more. How upset will you be if Jordan Love is good? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I was saying, I've told this to other Packers fans in the past. Our buddy John Abbott, Terry, a regular listener of ours. Uh, Willem over at Romer, shout out. that The Packers were terrible for my youth. And then remember they got Don Mikowski, the magic man? And he became a big deal with his blonde mullet and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, Green Bay's finally good here. So they get great quarterbacking for him. He gets hurt, and then they bring in this heck off the bench, number four, who could throw it through a brick wall but didn't really know where it was going, and then had like 20 years of great quarterbacking. And then, of course, draft his replacement and have like 15 more years of great quarterbacking. Yeah. So I'm just about sick and You're tired. Of, yeah. Well, they've had three in a row here. Come on. Some franchises go their entire existence, lifetimes, without finding a quarterback of that order. So we'll talk to Farhan from NFL camps. But, yes, we'll talk Canucks and Lions here. And uh, we'll get to some hashtags, including the Mariners, as mentioned, and the World Tra- or the Canadian Track and Field Championships that were happening here in Langley. Star power there as well. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That summer heat with Workshop Spirits. Ombre Margarita. Hi there, hard lemon iced tea. And hi there, our peach iced tea. We'll keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Jeff Patterson is doing a series on Canucks milestones over at the Hockey News this week. Good summer project. And let's hope it's the most we hear of individual milestones this season. Last year, and even the previous season with JT Miller's chase for 100 points, of course he fell just shy, 99, we amused ourselves with tracking stats because, really, that's all we had. 
Elias Patterson cresting 100 points. He got to 102. A three-way race to lead the club in goals, and Patterson and Kuzmenko tied at 39. Quinn Hughes shooting to be a point-per-game defenseman. He fell just shy 76 and 78. But as Rick Tockett said towards the end of the season, it's high time we start talking about team achievements. Of course, first the team must do its part. That means not being buried in October like the last two years. When you're 8 to 12 points back of the final wild card, people start looking around, grasping at what they can to give the long NHL season meaning. Naturally, if the Canucks get to where they want to go this season, then some combination of Patterson Hughes, Miller, Kuzmanko, they're going to get theirs. And as we talked about last week with goaltender guru Kevin Woodley of In Goal Media, the most important stats this year might be Thatcher Demko's save percentage, total saves, and performance against hopefully fewer high-danger chances. Because once again, the team is going to rely heavily on goaltending and Tockett hopes to make life less stressful on Demko with better defensive detail and less need to outscore mistakes. That's not a great recipe for hitting statistical milestones. Then again, after the last couple of years, that's not a bad thing. Time to start talking standings points over counting points. Time to start talking wins. That's welcome at for today, and we invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at scaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox, on Twitter, at Matt Sakaris, at Sakarisonprice, and a welcome at a presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Visit greatclips.com to find a salon near you. Sakaris Price from Wall Center, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter. Brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason Dunmore. An actual person, a real person to, to talk to and get advice about your next mortgage, whether you're uh, shopping for a new home or you're just renewing your mortgage. Now is the time to do it. Now is always the best time to do it because you can lock in your rate for up to four months' time. And you know, even in the waning months of your current mortgage, you very well might save money canceling and locking in again versus waiting and watching rates rise. Get that personal touch. Get the personal advice you need. Jason.Mortgage. Well, going to take you out first to Langley in McLeod Athletic Park where the Canadian Track and Field Championships were happening this weekend. Of course, you're out from the Paris Olympics at Ben Steiner, double zero. DeGrasse for gold. Season best for the win for Andre DeGrasse. He's the Canadian champion in the 200 meters. He ran a 20.01. That's his First medal at national since he won the 200 in 2017 in Ottawa. The first in front of his family. He's only a two-time 200-meter Canadian champion. That's because Aaron Brown has also been so good and ran a 20.10 yesterday. Anyways, a couple of Canadian sprinters showing very well a year out from Paris. And, of course, DeGrasse became the darling of the game's Four years ago, well, eight years ago as well. He has been nothing but a darling at the Olympics, Andre DeGrasse, looking for more next summer. Uh, from David Alter, who we know from uh, Rinkwide Toronto, at the Alter is Josh Hosang thinking about hanging up the skates, uh, a name that probably rings a bell for a lot of NHL fans. Josh Hosang was supposed to be a hidden gem with some attitudinal issues that were preventing him from being a, an outright star in the National Hockey League. And the last time we saw him come close, the Leafs had signed him for 21-22, didn't work out, went to Russia, and now there's reports out of Russia that he's getting set to call it a professional career. Um, it's an alarm alarm issue in Long Island for the New York Islanders. He was late for practice. And, uh, yeah. The old alarm clock excuse was used by Josh Hosang. Um, yeah, you, you wonder, you know, if, if things just start differently, if there, is there a universe not too far from this one where Josh Hosang is a star in the NHL because people were convinced he was amongst the most skilled players in his draft. Yeah, yeah and the Islanders uh, thought uh, they had a steal there at one yeah. point, uh, given where they took him. Uh, broken Mariners fan at Lil Switch, or Ill Switch, Ill Switch Ill, I don't know. Seattle Mariners have informed teams. That Paul Sewald, Teoscar Hernandez, Ty France are available at the deadline, according to USA Today. A loss today could be a dagger for them. Well, they won. They beat Arizona 4 nothing, And then most of the teams around them lost as well. Toronto, New York, Boston, Houston, Texas. 
M's four and a half back in the wild card, five and a half back in the AL West. Here's the thing. They're the second best team in July. They've won six of their last eight series. Seems a little premature. Including against the Blue Jays. Jerry DePoto joined Jim Bowden on his show. Uh, Jim Bowden, a former Major League Baseball GM, now with The Athletic. Jerry DePoto told us they are just as focused on 2024 and beyond as they are this year. I asked if Teoscar Hernandez would be a Mariner on Wednesday, and he said, I don't know yet. Hmm. Wow. They've been very, very lukewarm, apparently, about putting more chips into this season, despite what DePoto said. I mean, the clubhouse has given them a reason to be buyers here at tomorrow's deadline, but it sounds like they're just as equally inclined to be sellers. Yeah, they've been pretty competitive. In advance sure. of, yeah, in advance of tomorrow's Major League Baseball trade deadline. Speaking of trades, uh, we saw the Columbus crew uh, steal one of the best Vancouver Whitecaps and Julian Gressel at CF Montreal. CF Montreal trades Rudy Camacho to the Columbus crew, and uh, not a lot coming back as well. So, you know, in, in Major League Soccer, you can still kind of trade something for nothing um, because you get the, the coupons that I call them in uh, allocation money. And uh, that's the best defender that, that CF Montreal has. And uh, they're sending him to Columbus. So Columbus loading up uh, for a run here in Major League Soccer and yeah. uh, at the expense of the Canadian teams. But did they advance in Nations League? No, ah, exactly. They'll always be Nations League. Yes. <laughs> And lastly, for me at J Fresh Hockey, you know, we talked last week so much about the Vancouver Canucks. What's gonna, what it's gonna take for them to contend going forward? One of the things we didn't mention, because many times last week it was mentioned, oh, they have enough goals, scoring's not a problem for Vancouver. Well, five on five, even strength hockey. It's one thing to fatten up on a power play at J Fresh Hockey. Who created the most and best scoring opportunities in twenty twenty three? 22-23 at 5-on-5 five five by shooting and passing the puck. Using all three zones, track, shot, data, weight, weighed by variables like shot and pre-shot pass type, here are the top 40. And you've got 40 players there listed and their contributions at even strength by as either a shooter or a passer. Not a single Vancouver Canuck. Oh. Club finished 20th in even strength goals last year. So that's right on the cusp of the final third. Something else that's got to be better this yeah, year. And you'd think it would be better uh, based on just how much scoring they had. You would have thought they would be at least in the top half of the league. Final one for me, at Hard Journalist, a local uh, sports reporter down in Australia. As a visitor covering the FIFA Women's World Cup in Melbourne, I definitely relate to this. And it's an attached story on why it's so hard to get coffee in Melbourne after 3 p.m. Uh, it's custom in, in Australia, apparently, that you shut down your coffee shop at 2. So... Anybody that's sort of working late, I, I know a lot of people, I don't personally like a, a 3 p.m. coffee, or, but the people relating to this are like, this is the most frustrating part oh. about Australia. You can't get afternoon coffee. They're, they're just done. It's a morning thing. Only do for they them. not do tea? Or does their British fruits show I, up? Do I they think, do tea? I think they do tea, but they don't. But, but of course, it's just about going to the coffee shop. Like, I don't know if tea shops are a separate thing per se. The coffee shop is closed. So... Yeah, for, for other people from around, North, particularly North Americans who are used to, you know, uh, a Starbucks open to late or whatever, um, they're, they're walking around going, I need to push through here. There's an evening game or whatever. I've got, I've got more work to do, and I can't find a damn coffee, which uh, I, What a I, Vancouver I, tweet. That's the Vancouveriest tweet I think we've ever had here. <laughs> can't get coffee after 2 p.m. Sound the alarm. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? I need my coffee. And that's hashtags for today. Here's Price from Wall Center and presentation of Applewood Auto Group. And right now, Applewood Auto Group is proud to talk to you about the Applewood Kia deals that they've got going right now. The Applewood Kia Nero EV. You're probably thinking, I'm not ready to join the electric revolution. Uh, au contraire, mon serre's a frere. Because the Nero EV starts at 44.9. It tops out at 52.9, for heaven's sakes luxury in a Kia Nero EV. Go check it out 
at Applewood Kia because, Matt, it's all good. Oh, he did it. At Applewood. Bodog poll question, has Christine Sinclair had the best career of any athlete in a Canadian jersey? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Sweden's already through to the knockout round of the World Cup. I like betting against these teams that are already through. Argentina's got a win to advance, so I'm going to take a big swing. The Argentines, plus 500 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is for more than a quarter century of TSN's West Coast and Vancouver Bureau Chief. We find him in Chicago where he's taken in Bears training camp. And, of course, there was a big football game to talk about in the Alberta capital on Saturday. It is Mr. Farhan Lalji back with Sakarison Price. How are you? You know, I can't get you to get me on your show until I'm around your bears. Is that how this goes? No, no. I, it was just coincidence. Oh, yeah, just coincidence. Oh, it was coincidence. I knew he was down south. I knew he was dropping in on the bears. But after the Lions put up that performance, I said, we got to go to Farhan and get his two cents. But, uh, uh, you know, if, if you'd like to sing the praises of Justin Fields and Abbotsford's Chase Claypool, that works too, Farhan. Very jealous of your assignment today. Yeah, you know, I, you would have been jealous here just walking through uh, just the Bears facility here at Hallis Hall. The last time uh, I went, they were in Bourbonnais when Mark Tressman was making his debut as the Bears coach uh, close to a decade ago now. And so uh, doing it here, you know, my first chance to get to Hallis Hall in the facility as it's set up now, just spectacular. Just all the, you know, the NFL experience type of activities. But as far as your boy Justin, he looks good. You know, he looks comfortable in this offense. Uh, he spent time, brought his receivers down to Florida with him. They developed some good chemistry and uh, you know, I, I think Chase Claypool is in a good position to succeed this year, having understood the playbook, gone through camp. I know there's been some criticism about him, really, the last couple of off-seasons, but this is a big year for him. He knows it, and Fields has set the bar really high for himself, thinks he can get 4,000 yards passing to go along with 1,000 yards rushing. And, you know, watching him today, the one thing that really stood out to me, Matt, you'll like this, he was calm, right? There were even some moments where he had to scramble and rather than trying to force something, he just threw it out of bounds and just tried to practice mm-hmm. doing that. You know, there was a moment where it was like first and 20 in a two-minute drill, and he threw a, a deep ball into double coverage that was probably ill-advised. But those things barely happen now, according to everyone who's uh, watched him in the week. He's set Farhan, up for a good year. Good. I'm really calm about my NFL season, too. It's July 31st, <laughs> all right? Um, I, sh- I should hope that he's calm. Did you talk I, to Chase Claypool, by the way? Did you actually have a conversation about him with him? Yeah, no, we, yeah. we spent about 15 minutes together uh, at the end of – at the end of practice, just finished with him, actually. And, you know, I, I go back with Chase quite a ways. Uh, and I've, I've had a chance to go interview him since his days at Notre Dame and uh, and obviously knew him while he was still in high school. So uh, he knows the, the magnitude of the season. And I asked him, I said, is that pressure good for you? Uh, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, the club's got some pressure because they have to justify the investment in the trade. I mean, that basically turned into a first-round pick, right? Uh, because it was a 32nd pick overall. And for him... I don't think he expected to be in this situation after that brilliant rookie year that he had, but he says the pressure is going to work for him. And, and as long as he can stay healthy, uh, he thinks he's going to have a big year. He, he really took a lot of pains to learn this offense and, and um, you know, found his own way to do it, but but held himself accountable. And you could tell by the way they practiced him today, they were moving him around into a bunch of different spots. And, you know, he's going to have opportunities to play in a lot of areas and, and they'll take advantage of his size and skill set. So it'll be good for him. I had a friend play a trick on me on the weekends. Go, do you think Justin Fields get, can get to 1,500 rushing yards this year? And I went, oh, that's probably a little much. And then they said, bigger question, do you think he can get to 1,500 passing yards? Which, <laughs> well, <laughs> which yes, may not be a sure bet. I haven't yards. checked Bodog on that yet. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you for that update on my NFL team, Farhan. You're very gracious. How about these British Columbia Lions? You've been covering the Canadian Football League for a long time. Have you ever seen a better defense through two months? Uh, it's been a minute. You know, that year the Lions started the year 11-0, and 0, their defense looked exquisite, right, before things kind of fell apart. And, look, they've been healthy. And they've had one guy here and there that's been out from time to time. But they've got so much depth, right? And you've got to give a ton of credit to Neil McAvoy and Ryan Rigmaiden and even Rick Campbell because, you know, he also wears part of that GM hat. Um, they have brought in depth. They have cultivated depth. They have taught them well. And so that's the thing is all of a sudden, you, you know, you lose a linebacker, you know, like as good as Boseco Lacombo has been, he was supposed to be the third guy at linebacker and rotate in because they thought this would be Josh Woods time and they're just rotating guys. And um, one thing I just love 
you know, you know this, Matt, if you tackle well, you're always going to be ahead, right? And that, you know, you look at some of these games the Lions have played and they've just been in perfect spots and they just don't miss tackles. So that makes it easy on the coordinator. It makes it easy when you're injured and it makes it easy on the offense because you look at that game last week, this past uh, game in Edmonton, and even though Dane Evans threw for, you know, in and around 300 yards, he didn't get asked to do a lot, right? The way the plays were called, it was almost a case of let's not screw this up. Punting is okay. We're not going to turn it over because we know they can't score on our defense. And and that's the way it played out. And between that and a ridiculous number of Edmonton penalties, yeah. the, you know, the game was over before it could start. Blake asked me, what's the record for shutouts in a season by a CFL team? Two. So they're tied it already. Yeah, and the, and the last time a team has shut out the same team twice was the second year of the existence of the formal CFL in 1959. Oh, so, so we're talking the, rugby union days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost. So, uh, so de- depth and they don't miss tackles, but is there anything they're doing schematically, Farhan, that is confusing others? Like, is are, are they, like, is Ryan Phillips genius here and nobody can catch up to him? Or is it just good ball so. players I, I, playing a... I, I think truly it's the fact that they understand the scheme, right? And the point I've made is, you know, go back three years ago, right? When Rick Campbell first came, this team in 2021 was really, really bad defensively. And they used to miss tackles left and right. And I remember calling games talking about what a poor tackling team they were. And they were that the previous year before COVID when Devon Claybrooks was the head coach. But what happened in 21 is they brought in so many players that were young and they had to learn the league and learn the game. So if you look at their starting 12, they've got six starters that have been with the team one or two years, right? Like that doesn't happen, right? So they've, they've learned the defense together. Ryan's kind of got comfortable with his team and, and how he likes to call the game during those two years. So it's not the scheme. It's that they understand the scheme and they're perfectly positioned. Whenever teams want to, you know, show different looks and different motions and different shifts, they know how to adjust and they never get caught out of position. Let me play devil's advocate and we'll open this up beyond just defense. We'll say offense as well. Is there anything being supported by toothpicks here, or is it are these all concrete foundations at every position? Is there anything you're you're concerned about that if that goes and and you kind of alluded to the injury problem that they've they've had that good luck going for them at the very least, that's always a, a concern. But just schematically, depth wise, is is one guy a band aid solution that you're worried that that band aid might get peeled off, or or is this legitimately a juggernaut? No, I think it's a juggernaut. And I and look, and there's three really good teams in the CFL right now. I mean, Toronto and Winnipeg are there and could, uh, you know, could beat BC at any moment, and that wouldn't be a blight on their record. But right. look, they had games this year where they played without Keon Hatcher and Dominic Rimes. Lucky Whitehead has missed games. They've now had to replace their quarterback. Look at every other team completely incapable of replacing a quarterback. Um, you know, so uh, even with the running back, right? Smoke Mizell had to miss a couple games. They put in Sean Shivers. They were just fine. You know, the, the interesting part is, the offensive line has been healthy from start to finish. And what happens if one of those guys gets hurt, right? Because when you look at the O-line from last year to this year, they replaced the center, left guard, and left tackle. Everybody had been in the building, right? So they were able to step in and, and take advantage of the fact that they knew what they had. Those guys knew the system. They knew how they were being coached. But now if those guys have to leave, like, is David Neville ready to be a, a full-time guard? Is you know, what's going to happen if they've got to take out one of the tackles. So we've just got less of a sample size with those players. So they've been incredibly healthy along the offensive line. And, they, you know, they and they really have been for the last couple of seasons. So I'm curious to see what would happen there. But everywhere else, they've managed to overcome injury. You talked about those juggernaut teams. We discussed it off the top of the show, so I'll pose it to you. Uh, is that a concern to you right now? We're not at season's end yet, but if that held, if we had three have teams and the rest of the league was 500 at best. Is that a concern for you? From a league perspective? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the records don't concern me, right? These things ebb and flow. It's nice to see the East is a little bit better and has tipped the, tipped the scales. But what concerns me league-wide is the quarterback play, right? Like right. overall, quarterback play hasn't been good. And, you know, it, it's, it got to the point where Bolivar Mitchell lost his job and actually got a race. Right by a team, um, you know. Uh, Trevor Harris lost his job and wound up getting a big salary. Right? Uh, uh, tre- or sorry, Trevor Harris. Yeah, five hundred. Uh, he got five five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Match favorite Cody Fajardo got a, a good job and a good opportunity. Right? And you know, so there there are some guys that uh, you know we've seen some fines. Right? Like we've seen Dustin Crum in Ottawa, and that's been a nice thing. But generally, the quarterback play, the lack of depth at the quarterback position. 
people talk about the Lions and how they did great getting Dane Evans. You know what's great about it? He was the only good backup quarterback available. Like, nobody else could because that other guy didn't exist anywhere else. So that concerns me. And seeing an organization and a record and a team as poor as Edmonton and what's happening there, I think that's a bad look on the entire league. Yeah. Right? Like, in this league where there's a rouge available, no team should ever be shut out. Even yes. if you get dominated, you shouldn't be shut out. So to see Edmonton the way it is and just the overall quarterback concerns I have, I think those are the concerns more so than teams being 500. Well, Apparently, I mean, to, to lose 20 in a row and then for the bottom not yet to have been hit and get shut out at home in the 21st, good God, how things have changed in the Alberta capital. So yeah. as JPAT notes, they have pretty much guaranteed themselves a home playoff game almost already because of the state of the Alberta team's and Saskatchewan and Farhan, if they win in Winnipeg Thursday, a second win in Winnipeg this season, they would hold all tiebreakers. Like we can pretty much get to planning the West Final at BC Place, right? Yeah, and wouldn't that be incredible, right? Because the fan base is slowly starting to respond, and and you know you give Amar Doman and um, uh, Dwayne Veneuve that much time to plan, uh, you, you know, like. We, we could approach 40,000 for for attendance for that game, right? And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but hey, why not, right? Like you talked about it on Thursday. If they win that game, they'd get the tiebreaker as well. Um, you know, and, and now the fans could just get, get excited. And you know what's been great this year is so many people told me last year what got them excited about the Lions was Nathan Rourke, right? And now Nathan goes, and yet momentum has been able to carry. Right. So the fact that the owners committed as much as he has, everyone has seen that. But they're doing the little things right. You've seen what their content team has done uh, before and after every game. You know, just the if you go to those uh, pregame parties that they have, the backyard parties outside at Terry Fox Plaza, it doesn't have to be an LL Cool J concert. Those are fun evenings no matter what. I mean, I remember doing the pregame show at 1040 back in the day. And, and Matt, you and I were on together and Mary would make you food. Remember, and I'd get in trouble because I didn't bring all the yes. bags over. and. It was you and I and friends and family. Like, yeah. there's nobody on the plaza. And now the plaza's packed. It's a good time. So they're they're doing the right things. And I think all of a sudden, if you gave them uh, excellence and a destination with a championship Western final available to them, I think the fans would absolutely come out in big numbers. I miss uh, Mary's paper bag lunches. If you're ever by Wall Center, <laughs> huh? stop on by. Yeah, but she had the glass containers and they were so No, I heavy. know. No, I know. She, I mean, she goes... She doesn't do anything halfway, Farhan. She's all in. All right. Hey, you mentioned she packs Na- those lunches with intensity. You mentioned Nathan Rourke. Uh, any early reporting there? Yeah, you know, I went down to Jacksonville. I was there two days ago and had a chance to visit with Nathan and talk to coaches about him. Visited with the offensive coordinator. They they really like him. He's impressed them. Um, you know, Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, said his talent is evident, right? Like, you can see an arm strength that wasn't there when he played collegiately. So they think physically he absolutely belongs. They're really impressed with how he's learned the offense from the spring OTAs and mini camps to now. However, he's not getting a significant amount of reps. Like, I know that when he signed, his hope was to compete for number two. He wasn't surprised when they signed C.J. Beathard, he and his agent. They knew that was a real possibility. You know, so uh, and they gave him a $2 million signing bonus, so... You know, you knew he was going to get the edge, but I thought there was going to be a bit more of a divide. You know, maybe a 60-40 Bethard Rourke in terms of reps with the seconds and thirds. But it's been like, it's really been 80-20, right? Um, C.J. Bethard has gotten way more reps, and it's been tough, right, for for Nathan just to get used to that and finding a way to take mental reps. So the preseason is going to be everything for him. Mm. If he can light it up in the preseason, he's going to get a ton of reps there. It will earn him more practice reps, which is which is what he wants, right? Yeah. And then, you know, after that, you're an injury away. But everything he's been allowed to do, he's done well. He needs to be allowed to do more. Right. Yes. And uh, pulling for him, I'd like. I was telling the Blake, uh, saying to Blake here off air, I'd like nothing more than to see Nathan Rourke go light up a couple of preseason games and forward his career. Uh, we we are obliged to ask you about the Vancouver Canucks because we're July 31st. No, we're making the turn. We're making Bears. the turn to August 1st. Um, do you see them making another move in the summer, Farhan? Well, it feels like they have to, right? I mean, unless they want to operate on a knife's edge with 20 players or 21 players uh, to get themselves under the cap. Because even with, if Pearson plays and Pullman doesn't, they're 1.8, almost 1.8 over. So there's got to be something there. I know that 
Meyer's name has, has come up a little bit more in rumors in the last couple of days. I still think that's going to be a complicated transaction, but it seems to be the only one they could potentially make because nobody wants Garland at this stage. So, you know, it, it's possible, but I, I still don't see it happening. I, I think this is going to be complicated for them going through training camp, trying to get off the remaining money, but they're certainly not in a position to try to add at all. But, you know, can they subtract? We'll see. They've got to subtract Myers and bring in the third-line center. I think that is the master plan. While getting cap compliant all in one fell swoop. All in a few weeks from September 1 to mm-hmm. September 21st. Right. Yeah, um, just now, that. Answer me, just because last week we did a theme on the Canucks and contending. How far out do you think they are, Farhan? Oh, wow. Like, I think they're probably at least three pieces from contending, right? I mean, I, you know, you talk about that third-line center spot. Uh, I, I want to see something. There's still a bunch of wingers on this team. We think they're winger-heavy. But there's a lot of guys with a lot to prove, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, can Kuzmenko do it a second year? Can Pod Colson be a full-time guy? Can Hoaglander be a full-time guy? Like, we think these guys are on the cusp, but as we've said before, right, potential is just something you haven't done yet. So let's see if potential can turn to reality, but um, they need more scoring, right? So these guys have got to show they can score from the wings, but uh, depth down the middle, a right-handed shot down the middle, and, and one yes. more piece on the back end I think they need for sure. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could they get into the playoffs this year if they stay healthy and don't play themselves out of it in November? They could, but they're a bubble roster. Um, but they're at least three solid pieces away from contending in my mind. Are you covering the game Thursday? Uh, no, I am flying to Calgary to do the Stamps game on Friday. Okay. And then more NFL next week. But I, I'll be watching it. So. I, I, I'm surprised you were out of town for Canadian Track and Field Championships, your Olympic beat, which was going on at Langley this weekend. And, um, Can't do it all, buddy. Can't do I know, it all. I know, I know. I mean, there's only some, there's only one Farhan Lodge to go around. But uh, <laughs> it may inform your answer to the next question on the Bodog poll question today. And I know you're not a soccer guy, but Christine Sinclair, has there ever, ever been a better athlete in a Team Canada jersey? Than of any sort, of any sort. Uh, I, yeah, you know what? I don't think so. And I, you know, I heard the question coming into the segment, and I thought about names like, you know, Sidney Crosby, whether it was wearing a World Junior Championship jersey or an Olympic jersey, and you know, Gretzky, who didn't necessarily have a significant amount of Olympic success when because of when it became a uh, an NHL sport, and you know, Steve Nash had a couple of runs, but. I don't think so. You know, when you look at what she's done and the fact that there's no age requirement for women's soccer at the Olympics like there is for men's soccer, uh, she's been able to experience more internationally than everybody, and she's done it at the highest levels, right? So you've got to give her full credit. I mean, is there a women's hockey player out there that jumps out? I I don't know. And, you know, for for me, like, hockey's still a sport played by seven countries, right? That's right. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Soccer is the game. Mm -hmm. And even though it's, it's women's soccer, which is more growing than the men's game, I, I can't think of anybody but Christine. I remember her at Burnaby South when she was 16 and covering her for the first time then. So even though I'm not necessarily a soccer guy, I do appreciate the career she's yes. had because I've watched it from start to finish. And you're old enough to have covered a teenage Christine Sinclair and Sadly, a 40-year-old Sadly. Christine Sinclair. Yeah. Look, Cindy Class and Andre DeGrasse, Penny Alexia, Clara Hughes in two sports. We, we've been blessed to watch a lot of great Canadian athletes, but Christine stands there with anybody internationally. Great hearing your voice and seeing you. Um, travel safely. Give my best to Justin and Chase and everybody there in Chicago. And we'll see you back here at uh, at a Lions game coming up. All right. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it. Let's take care of some price from Wall Center presentation at the Wood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Yeah. Errors and omissions from Friday's pro- uh, program with JPAD. Uh, we're going to call one on John Shannon. He called Jeff an interior boy. Of course, he's referencing Jeff's work in Kamloops covering the Blazers, but Jeff is a a North Shore guy, to be clear. That's it for E's and O's. On to Blake Price's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Well, not much to speak of on the Women's World Cup uh, soccer in terms of like close matches. The, the closest of which, though, might be Haiti versus Denmark. And we know that Haiti has at times been plucky against Canada. Um, on the men's side. 
So can the women take something from that, perhaps? And uh, oh let's, wow, let's this go is for a, a draw versus swing. Denmark plus oh, three ninety for Haiti. Woo! Yeah. On your Bodog line of the thought, you were almost going to talk yourself into a Haitian victory there, Blake. No. We were, we were looking at some of the odds in some of these group matches at the FIFA Women's World Cup, and uh, I mean, you got a better chance of winning these the mega lotteries, right? The Super Bowls. Yeah, not a lot there. So, no, no, not a lot there in the least. On your Bodog line of the day, thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast, and then please follow us on social media. That's Twitter or X, if uh-huh. you will. Insta, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.